morning's reading is from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 14, and can be found on page 1002 of the Church Bibles. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Well, do keep that uh, great passage open this morning. We're going to explore it uh, together. Well, we come, don't we, to the end of an era. So I was told this week, uh, we come to the end of the Elizabethan era uh, with the death of the Queen. And I guess our attention is no doubt focused, isn't it, on uh, who will replace or has replaced her, Prince or King Charles. And we wonder then, what kind of king uh, will he be? And if we're not completely distracted by royal events, you may be aware that it is party conference season, where our, our political leaders are trying to excite us with their vision for Britain. Uh, and our lives, if they are given authority uh, and power to govern us. Well, Marcus started this account of, of Jesus by declaring that uh, this individual, Jesus, is the one with unique authority. He is the Christ, God's son, uh, his king, uh, the one who comes with all God's authority himself. And then last week we saw Jesus declaring that truth in his own words. The time has come, says Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. Why? Well, because the king of that kingdom has arrived. And Mark wants us to see this is good news. Indeed, if we're familiar with the Bible's story thus far, this announcement should thrill us. See, back at the very start of the Bible, we get a little picture of this kingdom, a world God created and over which he ruled and reigned. 
A God, a world where God was in the right place, as it were, at the very centre. Life revolved around him and his great purposes. A world in harmony, people enjoying an amazing relationship with their creator and with one another and their world. But humanity decided it didn't want God's or his rule. And sought instead, as it were, to hoist the flag of independence and self-rule. And what we thought would bring freedom actually brought misery and slavery. A world of disharmony, of brokenness, broken relationships. Not least, of course, a broken relationship with God, the giver of life and every good thing. And in that moment of madness, amazingly, we encounter a God of astonishing grace. A God who promises to put things right. And he wouldn't send in the troops. No, he promised to come in person to put things right. To re-establish things as they were meant to be. And now Jesus says, the time has come. The king's arrived. You see, this is Jesus, in effect, declaring a revolution, isn't he? He's declaring regime change. God is stepping in to renew and restore and rescue. And now we start to see that authority being displayed. What has been declared now being delivered. And I hope this morning is that as we uh, explore what Jesus does, what he says, we'll be convinced he is a man with real authority. Even as he speaks, things happen, don't they? But I hope we'll see, too, that this authority is not something we need to to run from or fear. It is an authority we can joyfully acknowledge and embrace. Let's pray as we see both we, uh, we pray in this passage. Father, again, right from the start, we see that we encounter a God who speaks and incredible things happen. So please speak to us now through your words. And bring about those good and wonderful purposes as we recognize the authority of Jesus and humbly respond to it. Amen. So the king steps onto the stage. And as his revolution begins, notice it brings with it a demanding call and a a decisive response. Repent, says Jesus, and believe the good news. And to repent simply means to to change our minds and to change our direction. And in the context of what Jesus has said in verse 15, to repent means to acknowledge that we've tried, haven't we, to live with the crown, as it were, on our heads, as if we're king, uh, making our decisions, our choices, uh, doing what we want to do. But now as Jesus declares that he is king, first we are commanded, aren't we, to recognise his right to rule, his right to lead. That's the change of mindset. And second, we are called to live now, from now on, with Jesus at the centre, with him leading us. That's the new direction our lives are to take. And if you want to know what that looks like, we get, don't we, in this uh, part of the Bible, uh, a remarkable incident, I think, where we see this response, don't we? This repentance illustrated very clearly and very powerfully. So look down at verse 16. So Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon and his brother Andrew. What does he say? He says, come 
follow me. Notice that Jesus takes the initiative to make the invitation. And it's not an invitation to, to sort of give Jesus a sort of slot in your life. Um, to add his voice to a whole plethora of voices we might hear. No, this is a radical call to reorientate our entire lives around him. To recognise his authority. To step off the throne and let Jesus lead. And notice these guys, it's not uh, primarily a call to adopt a new set of moral principles or religious practices. It is a call about Jesus uh, and a new uh, life-changing relationship with him. Where from now on he determines uh, what these guys do and where they go. Come, follow me. And just in that funeral we, many of us watched of the Queen, that, that same basic idea came across, didn't it, in that sermon from Justin Welby as he reflected on the Queen's life and her radical example of service. He noted that service was not set primarily through her position or her ambition, but through whom she followed. Well, through these fishermen, uh, Peter and Andrew, uh, responding to this call of Jesus to follow quite simply changes everything. For them, it means leaving, doesn't it, their old life of catching fish and instead fishing for people. And if that's not clear at this stage what that involves, I'm sure it wasn't for them. If, if, if the what is still unknown, the who is very clear, isn't it? Follow me. Well, notice the reaction uh, of Andrew and Peter as they hear Peter, uh, Jesus' call. At once, they leave their nets and they follow immediately. They leave their nets, the old life they had known, and follow Jesus. That's powerful, isn't it? That's, that word is powerful. And then notice the same response is repeated in the, the next verse with James and John, verse 19. When they got a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boats with the hired men and followed him. And notice in this response, not only do we see a change of, of calling in terms of life and what they're going to do, it, it will impact, won't it, their relationships as well. Well, maybe this morning we are shocked by this demanding call of Jesus. Maybe shocked by the response of these four men as Jesus simply calls them to follow him. I mean, I mean who has the right to do that? to make such a call, to make such demands. Well, Mark has told us, isn't he? He is the king, uh, the son of God. He has that right. He has that authority. And whether our response to that same call means giving up our day job or not, the pattern is clear, isn't it? Uh, to follow means that now that Jesus directs uh, Jesus doesn't fit around my agenda. Uh, I fit around his. And that is a radical commitment, isn't it? It is a radical call that will potentially cost us in some way. And sometimes, even here, we see that cost being an upfront cost. Uh, an immediate impact of change. I was just thinking just uh, this week about a girl in my old church who was being baptised from a, a Sikh background. Uh, She'd heard the call of Jesus at university. 
and she decided she wanted to follow, and she was being baptised that Sunday evening. As uh, the vicar and she got prepared to go into the water, uh, the doors of the church opened, and a man, a young man, walked in, family member. He looked at the girl straight in the eyes and said, if you proceed with this ceremony, be assured you will no longer have a place in the family. And with that, he turned around and walked out. The minister turned to the girl and said, do you wish to be baptised? And she said, I do. Is she mad? I mean, was she mad? Was she a fool as she stepped into the water and declared her intention to follow Jesus? I guess the bottom line is, is Jesus worth it? Is submitting to his authority, his leadership, is that good news or is that bad news? Will it lead to joy and freedom or misery and slavery? You've got to be clear with me about this because so much is at stake. Well, wonderfully, we get an incredible glimpse, I think, of that kingdom that Jesus comes to bring in the next part of our reading. As a scene moves away from the lakeside now to uh, Capernaum. Again, just notice the authority of Jesus revealed in this story. I imagine it was a typical uh, Sabbath day in Capernaum, and as usual, the faithful had gathered uh, at the synagogue to hear the law uh, faithfully expounded and applied. But the, the, preacher, the preacher was unlike any preacher they'd heard before. Now, Mark doesn't give us a lot of detail about what happens um, or what Jesus actually said. Just imagine, for example, imagine you were a teenager listening to Jesus that Sabbath morning. Maybe they recall what happened in their diary. Something rather strange happened at synagogue today. I might have mentioned this before, but... I find synagogue rather boring. Normally, the sermon is given by some ancient rabbi, and more often than not, it's as dry as dust. I want today to discourse on the Talmudic and Torahic teachings concerning the aspects of Sabbath day observance and to interact with recent views from learned rabbis. On the one hand, Rabbi Hillel takes the view that blah, 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 and on the other hand, Rabbi Ben Shirak takes the opposing view, blah, blah, blah. Well, don't ask me how it ends, because normally I nod off at that point. But this Saturday was different. Uh, the young preacher who spoke was some kind of travelling teacher from the hill country. I heard afterwards that he was a tradesman, a carpenter, and had never been to Bible college. So I have no idea why they asked him to preach. But when he started, there was a sort of quiet authority, which made everyone in the room sit up and take notice and listen. Unlike the normal sermons I hear or sleep through, he addressed the really important issues and questions. Not the side issues that we normally get aired on a Saturday morning. And he didn't seem to have the need to quote lots of old rabbis to support arguments. No, he talked about heaven as though he had been there. He spoke about God as if he was talking about someone that he knew intimately and personally. Do you want to know what God is like, he said? Well, listen carefully to me uh, if you have ears to hear. 
because I'm going to tell you. We've never heard anything like it. Uh, someone speaking out about God with such authority. But that wasn't all. You see, it wasn't just words. See, right in the middle of the sermon, uh, a man got up from the back and began shouting uh, at the teacher in a most sort of wild and strange way. I, I can still remember what he said. Strange words spat out with hate and fear. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Scary. It was unnerving. Uh, we all wondered what the preacher would do. It was like almost like a test, a test of his authority. But right from the start, there was no doubt who had the upper hand or, or where the power lay. You see, in all that commotion, Jesus simply turned to the man with a look. A look I don't think I'll ever forget. A look of compassion, yes, I'm sure, of anger, but of total authority. And then he spoke. That's all. In a clear, commanding voice, he simply said, be quiet, come out. <laughs> Something extraordinary happened. Uh, the man shook from head to foot. There was a most terrible shriek, and the man became completely calm, totally normal. Well, I don't need to tell you that everyone in the room was totally amazed. We, wouldn't we have been? I, I doubt you would have forgotten that moment, would you, uh, for the rest of your life? And wouldn't you be asking the same kind of questions these guys ask? What is this? Who is this? A new teaching with such authority. He gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Of course, this description of Jesus um, as he heads into this encounter with evil it is shocking, isn't it? It's unnerving, and not least to our modern 21st century ears. But the Bible and Jesus himself affirm uh, the existence of evil, of spiritual powers uh, that can influence and in certain places control people's lives. Well, if this reality raises questions for us, uh, one thing is striking and picked up, isn't it, in this encounter and all the Gospels, that as Jesus arrives on the scene, as it were, there's this, there's this great outburst of, of demonic activity where evil spirits recognise who Jesus is and, and seek to resist his authority. But of course, it's clear, isn't it? They can't. And isn't it striking that these, these demonic agents, they're very clear, aren't they, about who Jesus is? Here in this encounter, they call him the, the Holy One of God. I discovered this week that that title is only once found in the Old Testament. It's used to describe Samson. Do you know that? That's Bible's famous Old Testament strongman who routed his enemies uh, and God's people's enemies with amazing supernatural power. And how if you, now here, if you like, it's... Here is God's ultimate strongman who can go head to head with the very forces of evil themselves and send them packing. And if you think about it, it's one thing isn't it, to command your own troops. But such is the power and authority of Jesus that he can command enemy troops. And they submit and they obey. That's amazing, isn't it? That's wonderful too. Well, I wonder this morning if the authority of Jesus is something, to dawn, is something that's starting to dawn on you. I mean, you wouldn't be on the wrong side of this, would you? You wouldn't be on the wrong side of this authority. You wouldn't want to oppose this kind of king. But notice the impact of this authority that Jesus exercises. Dark and confused minds and hearts are awakened, aren't they? Distorted lives held in the destructive grip of evil are gloriously liberated. The arrival of this king is 
It's good news, isn't it? And the exercise of his authority is both glorious and thrilling. So let me ask you, as we draw to a close, have your eyes been open to the authority of Jesus? Have we acknowledged it? Have we welcomed it and submitted to it? Perhaps this morning you've never really understood that authority before, never seen it, never knelt, as it were, before this king. Perhaps you've held back. Perhaps you understand in a deep way that to do that is a big deal. It's going to change everything as we submit to Jesus and his leading. Maybe you're someone who's experienced authority, abusing uh, that authority, um, misusing it in some way. Perhaps you've witnessed it close at hand and found it self-serving and enslaving. But do you see, this this authority is different, isn't it? Uh, Jesus is different. And this morning Jesus says to us, to you, follow me. And it is a radical, all-or-nothing kind of call, uh, not least as we commit ourselves uh, to Jesus leading us and us following him, as we submit to his powerful words. And be assured, as we do so, it will mean for us change. His words come with authority and bring powerful change. Here Jesus says, doesn't he, be quiet. In a few verses, we find Jesus saying to someone else, be clean. A couple of chapters, we'll hear Jesus saying to wind and waves, be still. Just words. But an enslaved man bound by the power of Satan is liberated in our passage. A man who's who's sick and disconnected from his community is healed and restored. Storm is stilled in an instant, and there's complete calm. So as I finish, so what will it look like for us this week? What might happen today if we truly acknowledge the authority of Jesus? If we were to show the same eagerness of those people in the synagogue to hear Jesus speak into our lives this week and to respond like those first disciples putting everything on the line to to follow him. It would change everything, wouldn't it? It would. Well, even this week and this month ahead, as we hear lots of words um, from those who claim authority or crave it, as they lay out their vision for us, what could be more exciting, more thrilling to hear Jesus' words? and discover his loving and good purposes as we follow him. Let's pray. Jesus said, follow me. That is an invitation, but it is a command. And Father, we pray even today that we would hear that call of Jesus and follow him. And even this week, as we hear many different voices compelling us to do this and that, Lord, may we hear Jesus speaking daily into our lives, his powerful word. And may that word change us deeply, profoundly. May it liberate us. May it free us. May it do us good. 
for the kingdom and for your glory. Amen. Amen.